Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Rachel, who's a fertility-focused naturopathic doctor practicing at Conceive Health. She has studied at the National College of Natural Medicine in Portland and the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto. She has had her own difficulties with pregnancy loss, and she's passionate about empowering her patients to improve their preconception health by making changes that help them conceive and maintain healthy pregnancies. This is really great. You know, we have naturopathic doctors on the podcast all the time. I think it's so interesting to have different experts in this field come on and share their different tips. Um, We kind of dive into Rachel's own fertility journey. And then she really does provide like a breath of fresh air in terms of, um, you know, tips on how to um, optimize your fertility. We talk about integrated fertility medicine, which is offered, um, at the clinic that she works at. Uh, and then, you know, we kind of get into a little bit of mindset, which, you know, is, um, my favorite topic of all time. So, um, please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Rachel. Three years ago, at six months pregnant, we lost our second baby to an undetected external infection, and what followed took us down a path we could never have predicted. I was used to getting pregnant quickly and unassisted. The infertility journey came as a surprise. No one talked to me about getting my ovarian reserve tested. No one told me that because I got pregnant easily with my first and my second, it didn't mean that I could expect the same with my third or fourth for that matter. I thought IUIs were a for sure thing. I thought IVF was a one month process and that's, that's just the physical part. All these assumptions were incorrect, but why would I know any better? I'm Emily Getz, a fertility and life mindset coach, founder of day one, a first of its kind fertility support network and host of the day one podcast, a show dedicated to the unspoken side of fertility. Here I share my story and bring together moms, dads, parents-to-be, doctors, specialists, and healers to help break stigmas, normalize the conversation, and bring education to the forefront. My hope is that by listening, you learn how to still be you and go through the infertility trenches and feel part of the day one community so your journey doesn't feel so lonely. Hi, Dr. Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So um, before we get into all the work that you're doing, what I think is cool when an expert comes on, um, when they have their own sort of fertility journey and their fertility experience, it does add this extra level of, dare I say, a bit of empathy or, you know, um, ability to connect with your patients, your clients a little bit more. And so I thought, um, we could start there and then we can get a little bit into the clinic that you work at and integrated medicine. And like, that's kind of new and cool to to hear that that's even available. So, um, let's start at the top. Just like, when were you introduced to this crazy, (laughs) crazy community? I mean, I think my original introduction came quite early. Um, Unfortunately, my mother suffered multiple miscarriages. Um, my aunt suffered a uh, both a, a stillbirth as well as an ectopic pregnancy. Um, and I have, you know, I was always told that I had this family in Holland. My background is Dutch, not that you would ever know that from my name, um, that, you know, we had history of issues. I was always told you have these great aunts who are barren. 
Okay. So yeah. So, you know, I kind of always had this in the back of my mind that when it came time for me to build a family, that it may not be the easiest thing in the world. Um, and so it started to really show itself in my early 20s. Uh, when I first decided to come off of an oral contraceptive, I had used that for a long time to control acne. I mean, that was obviously my first sign that something was going on, but you know, I was a teenager and a little bit stupid. Um, so stupid. I feel like well, everybody at that time was like, of course we have acne. We're teenagers. So let's get, Oh, there's a pill to get rid of it. No problem. Right. Like it kind yeah. of made sense. Yeah, totally. And we're like, oh, we're all in the same pill, right? Yeah, all of my friends yeah. and I who had acne or, you know, it was just almost like you were cool. Yeah. Um, you were like all with your, I remember my like pill going off the alarm going off and like all these alarms when I'd hang out with my girlfriends at like different times would like go off yeah. and we'd be, it was like kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Here we yeah, t- totally. Yeah. Yeah. And in my twenties, I just had this moment where I was like, you know, I think I'm done. Let's let's try to go off this. Um, and I did, and I didn't get a period for a year, which can be common in some cases. But when I went and had some testing done at my um, university health clinic, the doctor, you know, very bluntly said, well, you are going to have a really hard time having kids. So good luck to you on that. And when you want to do that, just come back and we'll give you some medication. (laughs) And here I was at 20 being, you know, faced with this reality that, oh, wow, I'm not thinking about this right now, um, but good to know. Um, And so that sort of introduced me to the world of naturopathic medicine because I I really wanted to find a different answer. So that's when I first started working with a naturopathic doctor and was able to, you know, have my period return within a couple of months after working with that professional. So here I was finishing up my, you know, science degree at Western and trying to decide which steps to take next. And I found, you know, naturopathic medicine and decided to go into that. It felt like I was being called in that direction. So Um, And yeah, so that was really the beginning. And then when my husband and I, um, when we got married, we decided to begin building our family. And I will say initially it happened quite easily. And we conceived um, our first pregnancy quite, quite easily. Um, But it wasn't, you know, it didn't have a happy ending. It, It wound up being an ectopic pregnancy. So that whole experience was, you know, shocking to go through. Um, And here I was in this situation where my mother had gone through that, my aunt had gone through that, and now I was going through that too. So it seemed like, was I, you know, destined for this? Is there something going on here that I should know about? So I started working with a naturopathic doctor at Conceive Health. And at that time, they were affiliated with um, TCART or the Toronto Center for Advanced Reproductive Technology. So I started working with them and I was, you know, really trying to get to a place where I could conceive again. And it was, it was taking longer than I hoped it would. And it was taking longer than I expected. I wound up working with uh, one of the medical doctors, one of the reproductive endocrinologists through uh, TCART um, in conjunction with my naturopathic doctor. And I was able to get pregnant with my daughter, um, but it was a really difficult pregnancy. So it took a while to get there. I did have loss working up to that. And then the pregnancy right from the get-go was basically, you know, almost 
doomed in a sense, because I was told quite early on that we had a likelihood of losing the pregnancy. Um, if we didn't lose it, that, you know, I was going to have to be really carefully monitored because she was at risk of uh, growth restriction. Um, I had a higher risk of preeclampsia. And so thankfully the pregnancy, um, you know, proceeded, but unfortunately I did wind up with growth restriction and developed preeclampsia. So her delivery was quite, um, I guess, traumatic in a sense. And I wasn't able to be with her for the first 24 hours of her life. Um, and you know, there's just a lot that went on there that just didn't feel good. So when I was, you know, I was basically told by my doctors, you cannot do this again (laughs) past 35. So if you want to try to have another child, you better, you know, get on it ASAP and you better, um, you know, really start taking care of yourself here. I thought I was, um, I guess I wasn't. So that's, I really, I, I took a pretty deep dive into preconception care at that point. And it was also at that point that I started to look into some of my numbers. Um, I was giving them a bit more attention than I had before. And so it was at that time that I discovered that, um, I had an extremely low ovarian reserve, uh, really the ovarian reserve of a 40 year old in my early thirties, Um, and so, you know, I, I do credit my pretty, uh, (laughs) deep dive into preconception care, taking extremely good care of myself. And then, you know, with the, with being able to get pregnant with my son and staying pregnant, and then also having a relatively safe pregnancy and a safe delivery. Um, but it was 18 months after he was born that I have now taken a deep dive into perimenopause and I'm, I just turned 38, um, on the weekend. So, you know, that's a pretty, it's early. (laughs) So, you know, that's, that's essentially the full story, um, from, from start to finish. And, uh, I mean, it's really the reason why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now, because I saw the benefits of it for myself, um, given a lot of odds stacked against me. And I see the benefits of it every single day in the work that I do. So when you were talking about like, oh, you thought you were looking after yourself, but maybe you weren't like, what were the things that you did? Um, Like, where were you at that you were like, I'm feeling good. And then what did you like plus up or what did you put into your like holistic protocol that you felt like, okay, um, this is, this has made a difference. Yeah. So stress has always been a huge factor in my life. Um, I did not have a very easy childhood growing up between family issues at home that I was managing and um, lots of moving around all the time, really moved throughout North America for a large majority of my life. Um, And then a lot of death that happened for my family between uh, 2011 and 2012 for like immediate family members. So I, I, and at the same time I was finishing up school. So I, you know, I really, I do think that stress has always been a huge issue for me and managing stress. Um, and the impacts of that became clear. I noticed some, you know, some shocking numbers when I looked at my thyroid health. Um, there were also some concerns that I was, you know, essentially unaware of with respect to blood sugar control. So, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, I think there's this, maybe this vision of us as like these, you know, you know, these pillars of health, (laughs) 
beacons yeah. of health yeah. and we're all super healthy or something and we never eat gluten and we never have caffeine and we never have dairy or whatever. And that's, it's just not true. Like for me, when I'm stressed, I really love wine and I like chips probably more than I should. And so I think there were some things that I had, you know, built up over time and put me into a bad place. So I started to get some help with managing my thyroid um, and how it was functioning. I started to get really good about cleaning up my diet and taking out some things that just weren't helping me and getting some of those blood sugar issues under control. And that's something I really have to work on all the time for myself. I can easily get insulin resistant. So it's something I have to watch really carefully. Um, and I started to do a lot more work on my uh, stress management as well. And I started uh, having acupuncture done weekly. Um, so I really started to build this team of, of, you know, professionals to help me. And I think that's a really important component of the fertility journey overall. I mean, as much as we hear it takes a village to raise a child, it really takes a village to create a child too. Oh my God. I say that all the time. It's, it's so, so true. What, um, what did you do to help your stress levels? Um, like what were some of those tips that you could share? Sure. So acupuncture helps a lot. And I mean, it's something that I practice a lot. I would do that in the clinic every day that I'm there um, for my patients. And it's a little bit of forced relaxation, right? Because, you know, how often do you get that moment where you cannot be on your phone? You cannot be, you know, doing anything else. And as females, oftentimes we're extremely good at multitasking and you just can't. (laughs) And, you know, we make you listen to music or we make you listen to meditations. And so I do feel that that was really important for my stress management because I knew that there was this weekly experience that I was going to have where I could just shut it all down. Um, I'm a believer that you know, stress is what it is. I mean, we live in a a stressful time. We are going to be exposed to stressors all the time, probably more so now than ever before, perhaps. Um, But we just have to find ways to manage those stressors, right? So the other things that I incorporated, um, I started doing a lot of meditation on my own at home. Um, I was listening to mantras. I was literally laying down on the floor with my legs up the wall, you know, listening to mantras and repeating them in my mind. I started to get into journaling. Um, I was working with a counselor. I was doing all the things. And that seems to be what I need to keep my stress levels at bay uh, because they'll very easily go up here if I'm not, you know, taking care of myself properly. I think um, the other thing is like, you, you feel when you're in, when you're stressed or when you have anxiety, you feel like you really, nothing's going to help. And, um, and so you resist, I think doing some of that work because you're like, well, there's no way is, you know, doing any mindfulness work going to actually help me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not true, but you, the repetition of it is actually, in my experience, the key. So I think the, the, the thing is, is it's easy for you and I to be like, meditate and do this and do that. But the truth is like, it's the repetition. It's same with acupuncture. You know, it's like acupuncture works at its best when it's consistent. Yeah. So, um, you, you kind of have to like, it's like this recommitment to like going inward, 
um, and doing the work to go inward because I, you know, I've myself have done it both ways where I like dip my toe into these types of things. And then I've been like, okay, I'm going to commit myself to doing these things in repetition. And then I start to see the benefit of it. And I think doing, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like stress management is also about doing these things when you're in not a stressful space. So then it like preps you for when you get in the stressful state. It's not like, oh my God, I'm stressed out. I'm going to journal. And I think that is such a good um, differentiator. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think it's when we think about things like meditation, it's, it's training, right? We're training our brains to uh, behave in a different way. So when we get into a stressful situation, we can more easily tolerate that and, and, and have a better self talk, um, about the situation. Um, it sounds like you and I are similar in the sense that it's easy to go anxious, overwhelm. And I don't know if this is the case, but negative self-talk, um, I can easily go there. And I know when I've I have other friends who have gone through fertility experiences and they're not like that. And it's so interesting for me to see that, that for some people, it's so easy to just be not stressed and to be happy and to feel positive about things. Whereas I have to work extremely hard to keep myself in that positive space. So yes, it's the work you know, outside of the stressful moments that allows me to get into a better flow state when I'm in those moments. Yeah. And I also like, you know, when you meet those people, like I'm sure even people listening think I have like it all figured out sometimes in just the mindset work that I do, but it's real work. Like, you know, it really is. And the other thing that I, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but how much benefit have you gotten now in your life past your fertility journey from just learning those tools within your fertility journey? It's like, yes, we're doing it to get past this part of our, in our lives, but, um, it's kind of a gateway into a better way of living like our lives. And so it's a fun twist not fun, but like, it makes me more motivated to do the work. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's an interesting um, note on really preconception care overall, because what I usually find when I'm working with my patients is we find things about their health that we didn't know were there before until they started on their fertility journey. And so the changes that we're making in order to help them get into a position where they conceive and maintain, where they can conceive and maintain a healthy pregnancy, those changes are also going to allow them to be healthy and present and alive for their child and give them a better, you know, longer life uh, overall. And so it's the same thing with the mindfulness work um, and the stress management work, doing that now is 100% going to benefit you as you go through the next chapters of your life. Um, You know, especially in a situation of of raising a child, and you and I both know that that is a difficult experience as well, right? I mean, trying to stay calm when somebody's having a temper tantrum at 3am is difficult. So (laughs) mindfulness can help with that. (laughs) 
So we want to dive a little bit into integrated fertility care. Um, something that I do not think a lot of us um, have the benefit or the privilege or even the financial like ability to be taken, taken care of in that way. Um, it's the dream. So <laughs> talk to you about where you're working, what you're doing, what integrated fertility care means. Sure. So I am a naturopathic doctor practicing with a group called Conceive Health. And Conceive Health is based out of Toronto. Uh, we are based technically with Trio Fertility Centers. Um, there are a number of satellite locations for Trio within the province. And so I am at one of their satellite locations in Stony Creek, which is just outside of Hamilton. So I'm at a location called Niagara Fertility. Um, and it's, it's a really cool experience, right? I mean, I think at this point, Trio is one of the only clinics that offers an actual like team with, um, you know, with having a, with naturopathic doctors. And I know other clinics in the city have that, um, but we have a, a very like big team. There are about 17 of us on the team now, which is quite, quite broad. Um, and we've actually started to do some pretty cool uh, integration with the reproductive endocrinologists, or in, in my case, at my location, um, the medical doctor is a gynecologist. So we we go up to and include, do everything up to and including um, IUIs. And then if patients need to move on to IVF, then we do all of their monitoring and then they can have, you know, their um, retrieval and their transfer in Toronto. So they don't have to go to Toronto as much, which is nice. Um, so we have an opportunity for these patients to actually meet with the naturopathic doctor first and we will do their initial consultation, um, get a really clear understanding of their overall health, what's going on from a fertility perspective. And then we can say, okay, here's all the baseline testing that's needed, but here's also all of the things that we can do now to help get this journey, you know, moving in a better direction for you. Um, and so that, that opportunity is happening both at Niagara Fertility, the other satellite locations that TRIO has, and now also um, downtown, we have the, the program there is called Preconceived. And so with the second visit, the patients will meet with the, with the reproductive endocrinologist and understand their plan, but they've already started all of their preconception care at that point. And then we continue to work together through throughout their, their journey, essentially. So it's, it's pretty cool. And are you like, um, meeting, so, so let's set this up. So I'm like, sure. <laughs> I come to you and I'm like, I am thinking I'm going to need some assistance. I would meet with you first. You would go through blood work labs, like my lifestyle, all of these things, and then share that information with my doctor. So then when my doctor has my first consult, he's sort of in the know, Yep. And so usually when you're starting your fertility journey, if it's been, you know, six months plus and you're over 35, or if it's been a full year, um, you know, before 35, oftentimes you haven't had much workup done. Yeah. Maybe your family doctor has done something or, you know, so we maybe have some information to go off of, but we don't have very much. Um, whatever I do have, yes, of course, I'm going to put that in all of my chart notes to share yeah. with the MD, but I'm also after that visit, the one who says, okay, here's all the baseline testing we're doing. 
right? So yeah, so then when they come for their second visit um, with the reproductive endocrinologist or, you know, with the gynecologist, they have all of that blood work, all of the imaging um, for the for the male partner, if that if that's the case, the, the sperm analysis is done so that they have all of that data ready for visit two. Yeah. Got it. Got it. That's really cool, you know, because there's so much management that's done as the patient to like build their team and have to tell like each person that they talk to this, that. So would you have access to like my file? So like, if I met with you, could you pull up my results and pull up like everything I'm going through from like a, a medical standpoint? Yeah, I do. It's fantastic. That's crazy. That's so oh. cool. It's so great. So access to, you know, all of the, we all use the same EMR system so we can, you know, pull records. Um, we can see all of the records. Um, we can also, you know, take a look at what's going on. If, for example, a patient is going through their, uh, their IVF cycle, we can watch the cycle as it's progressing in that EMR. So we know how to adjust with acupuncture if we're doing that to support them. Yeah. So it's, it is like really quite integrated. We, we, we really have access to everything. So it does, it, it really makes it easier um, than trying to pass records between providers. And that's, to, I mean, I've, I've done that myself. It's, it's kind of hard to manage that when you've already got enough on your plate. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I, hope that's the future. It's like the show private practice. I, that's my dream. I mean, and make it affordable. So maybe those two things won't, won't go together, but you know, just the dream of like walking in somewhere and having almost all of the things you need in one place is like, and they're all talking. Like my dream would be that they're all in a boardroom and they're like, Emily gets, and then they put my yeah. file up on this big board and then all the different, you know, experts weigh in and then they make a plan collectively. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there is that open communication, right? So if there are things going on that I need to discuss with, you know, one of the medical doctors, I can do that. Right. Um, which is lovely, you know, or if I'm feeling stuck on a, on a case, I have a team of, you know, 16, you know, more of me that I can, you know, I call it our little think tank that I can go to and say, okay, here's the situation, you know, what's the best approach here. So, yeah, so it is nice. I, I certainly the, the affordability is, is a tough one. I think it's, that is certainly something we do come up against for patients. Um, you know, supplements are expensive, right? They're not covered, um, with, through drug plans for the most part, um, visits, uh, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, unfortunately, I'm not part of the OHIP system. I don't think I ever will be. So, you know, we're often relying on extended medical benefits to cover visit cost. Um, you know, I think when it comes to interventions, we have a lot that we can do without going too crazy with some of it. Sometimes we have to, but there are so many changes that we can make just through lifestyle, just through diet. They're not the fun changes. I mean, nobody likes me, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm always Dr. Killjoy um, <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, sorry, you're smoking. We just can't do that right now, right? You're going to drop 25K on this. This does not compute. So you know, there's a lot that we can do to, to improve the outcomes without having to get too crazy with things. Um, but it is, you know, the whole fertility experience. I mean, we have patients that, that can't do it because they can't make the time with their jobs. They can't come into the clinic, you know, at the hours, the clinics open, or they simply can't afford it. And those are always really sad moments for me because even being able to go through 
and work with a fertility clinic is an expensive process. So the way I try to think about it is if we're doing the preconception here, it feels like a lot upfront, but the, the goal is that we are shortening the journey so that you're not having to yes. pay out, you know, if it's IUIs, thousands of dollars every month, if you're going through, you know, IVF, you know, 25 K multiple times, <laughs> we're trying to shorten that up. So we get better outcomes faster. Yeah. You know what? It's like, I think more and more the message of, you know, the pre-care, the pre-prep, I think is becoming a bigger conversation that it feels like you just want to start IVF, like next cycle. Like that's, you know, especially if you're brand new to this industry, you're just like, I want to do it right now, but it actually could potentially delay your results because, and that it for sure happened with me, like uneducated, mm -hmm. did rounds of IVF and then started to be like, oh, maybe I should change my lifestyle. Maybe I should talk to natural. Maybe I should do all these things. And so, um, it's great that it's sort of part of the process where you're getting in front of that as well. Absolutely. Um, Sorry. Yeah, go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, circling back to that comment I made before, where often if there's an issue with fertility, it's because there's a health issue somewhere else that we just don't know about, right? So um, we we want to try to get to the bottom of that. And I've, it, yeah, we see it. We see it all the time where, you know, I, where patients have failed IVF cycles and, and we think like, that's going to be the answer. That's the thing that does it. And then they come back and it's like, yeah, no, it failed. Um, and so it's like, wow, okay, let's really take a step back here and see what's going on because those are, you know, really sad moments for patients, yeah. right? Like where they're like, yes, this is the thing. And then we realize we're missing something here. Like something's still not right. And we've got to sort that before we try to do this again. Yeah. It's all about sort of tweaking and doing something new. And it's like, you know, it's really is the hardest. Um, it's just a really complicated journey. I'm trying yeah. really hard to stop saying hardest because I think like from a mindset place for myself, it's like when I hear myself or someone saying it's so hard, it's so hard. It, it is, it is hard. We're not taking that piece away, but when I say complicated, it, for me, it like eases me where I'm like, I can do this, you know, like mm -hmm. I can, um, I can keep going when I hear it's complicated, but when I hear it's hard, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it as much. Yeah. So I've been really working on my language. I think that is helpful. Um, yep. that's a bit of a tangent that has nothing to do with our conversation. <laughs> no, but I think that's so important because it's very easy to slip into that negative self-talk, right? Yeah. And, and that word hard, really it's hard. What, what's hard? Hard is resistant, yeah. right? So if we're smacking ourselves up again, you know, people can't see me right now, but I'm like hitting my hand yeah. up against my other hand. Like you're, it feels like you're smacking yourself up against a wall. Um, but yeah, complicated is a good word to use because it is, it is complicated. And I think another one that I try to work with on my patient, uh, you know, work with for my patients to say more often is I choose to do this. Ooh, it's my favorite. Right. It's my all it's my num. I think it's my number one that this is a choice. We are still mm -hmm. choosing this. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a powerful one as opposed to, oh, I have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. One thing um, that helped me yeah. with that is, um, and this is just a little bit about my own story, is um I, I like to exercise. Um, and but some mornings it, I don't want to. And so I have to put myself into that headspace of I choose to, but also I get to, 
right? I had uh, my stepbrother who passed away in 2011, um, suffered a terrible car accident, and he was unfortunately uh, quadriplegic and and brain dead for um, over a decade. And you know what? He didn't get to, right? So when I think about things, like when I have those moments in my own life where I'm like, I don't want to do this today, I automatically take myself to to the place of, no, no, I get to this. I have legs. My legs work. I can move this body. I choose to move this body, right? So it's just, it is like the the way that you speak to yourself is really can change that journey so, so much. That is so powerful. And I also, you know, it's important for us to, sometimes I have to reality check myself a bit in this journey to not taking away how complicated it is, but just in the sense that, you know, um, to your point, like, I get to do this and, and, and I am choosing to do, to do this. Um, it's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. That is, Mm -hmm. I can't, that's a very hard experience. I, my heart is just, hmm. yeah. Um, in terms of just like easy tips or tricks or something, you know, someone that maybe can't get an appointment, um, like what are things that people can be like, if you do these things high level, it's a great start. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I do offer a, a free preconception challenge. I'll call it, I guess, experience, um, that, so people can go and check that out on my website. So in that experience, uh, people are emailed every couple of days and they're given a lot of, you know, information and education around, the basics, the things that we want to be paying attention to when we're walking into a fertility experience um, or even beginning a fertility experience, right? So this information is important even prior to trying to conceive, right? So I break it up into uh, pillars. Um, And so the first pillar that I like my, you know, my readers or followers or, you know, patients to really think about is, is of course their nutrition. Um, I call it nutrition unboxed um, because I'm trying to really have my patients or my, you know, readers look outside of the box when it comes to how they're eating and, um, and to, you know, try to step away also from the boxed foods, right? Mm. The refined foods, the packaged foods, some of these foods that can set us back with our goals. Um, and so it is, you know, very much so teaching about a more whole foods approach when it comes to eating. So that's absolutely one area that I like to um, work on. I like to educate on appropriate detoxification. So this word detox, I mean, it gets so much press these days and we see these, you know, crazy cleanses out there, like do this and you'll be way better and that type of thing. And I, I talk about like the real detox, which is essentially understanding that your body is detoxifying every single day. That's what your liver does (laughs) every day, all day long. So rather than focusing on some sort of fancy, take this and everything will be better. um, Can we look at where are we being exposed to toxins in our life? And are those things that we can start to minimize. So some of those are social toxins like alcohol, like uh, tobacco, like marijuana, like other recreational drugs. Um, 
Some of them are environmental toxins. And I find that to be quite problematic in my area because I do work with patients in the Niagara area, in the Hamilton area. There are a lot of pesticides because of all the wineries and farms in the area. Um, we also have this the steel factory, the refineries in Hamilton. So I see, you know, a lot of um you know, cases where we might say that this is an egg quality or sperm quality issue. And we look at their lifestyle and, you know, a lot of things are going right, but we've got a lot of exposures that we've mm. got to kind of minimize. So those environmental exposures. What do you do about um, that? People in Hamilton move? How do you, it's, do you I know there are some days when I just want to say, can I just, can you move? please? <laughs> because I really think where you're living and what you're oh breathing God, in every day is not so helping hard. you. Yeah. Right. And that stuff we don't have control over. So that's, or we don't always have control over it. Right. So what, how can we have control? Well, can we, you know, think about antioxidants that can assist you in this case. So we, we hear a lot about things like coenzyme Q10 and things like that to help with egg quality and sperm quality. That's what it's doing, right. It's helping to improve that, um, that oxidative exposure that we're having that oxidative stress so we can improve um, the, the quality there. So we talk about toxins a lot. I talk about BPA. So I talk about a plastic a lot because I'm just even the number of times I have to ask patients, do you go to Starbucks and Tim Hortons every day and get your, you know, coffee or tea in a what we think is a paper cup, but it's actually lined in BPAs? right? So now we're getting this like daily chronic BPA exposure, and then we throw it in the microwave to warm it up and that makes it even worse. <laughs> so just little stuff like that, where we can really start to improve um, our outcomes if we limit some of these exposures. So I teach about that, trying to minimize that. Um, I, I teach about also, um, you know, what can be done with respect to the stress management and sleep components of a fertility journey. So we've talked a lot about stress today, but sleep obviously is a big factor in that. And so I think, um, you know, we don't, you don't need to be seeing a healthcare professional necessarily to improve your sleep behaviors, right. To improve your, your sleep habits. And we know that melatonin, which is something our body naturally produces to prepare for sleep. We know that that has a really big impact on egg quality, right. Um, and if we're exposing ourselves to blue light before bedtime, which most of us do, um, we're really blunting that melatonin production, like our own melatonin production. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily about taking a pill or whatever, but can we just work on your own melatonin production by improving your bedtime routine and reducing your blue light exposure? Um, you know, so there's a lot that can be done, uh, outside of working one-on-one -on -one with the provider, or even, you know, if there's, there are cost limitations with respect to affording that type of care or affording even, you know, some of the things that we would use. Um, I teach about physical activity. I teach about even just how to understand your own cycle and understanding, you know, what is going on with the different phases of your cycle and when we might be able to pick up on issues and where that can kind of allow us to understand where to affect change. Um, because for so long, most of us really ignore our cycles or we turned them off with a hormonal contraceptive. And then we decide we want to build a family and we still have no idea what's going on with our cycles. And, and I see so many 
patients who wind up in the clinic. And you know what, if we had maybe just a year ago taught them how to understand their own monthly rhythm, we might not be here right now or when to time intercourse. And of course, there are many situations where it goes well beyond that, right? (laughs) Unfortunately, Um, we know that all too well. But there are some times when it's just as simple as adjusting, you know, X, and then we get our desired outcome. So I think that's a good opportunity for people to learn about the things that they can be doing now um, without having to, you know, dive straight into like, you know, one-on-one care. So I would definitely encourage, uh, you know, if, if people are listening today to check that out on my website and uh, join in, see if you learn something cool. <laughs> and are you currently taking patients on? Like, how do people find you? Yeah. So, um, I think a lot of people find me on Instagram. Yep. So I do my best to stay pretty present on there. So, um, I'm on Instagram at, uh, Dr. Dr. Underscore Rachel underscore ND. So that's R A C H E L. Um, and so I do a lot of work on, on there to educate as much as I can. Um, so that's another place to kind of get some like free tips and advice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, my website, um, you can find me through, I can health as well. Thank you. And I ask you the question I ask everyone yes. that joins, uh, day one podcast, what advice would you give someone who's starting day one of their fertility journey? Build your team right? It's, it's so important to build your team. Going back to what we said earlier during our chat today, it takes a village. It takes a village to create a new human. (laughs) Uh, So whomever you need on your team, you know what, go into this with the idea in mind that you don't need to put all of your focus just on what your one provider is saying. Make sure that you have other people on your team that are going to support you on this journey. So, you know, whether that's your naturopathic doctor, whether that's your acupuncturist, whether it's your therapist, whether it's your, you know, partner um, or your friend or whatever the case may be, whoever it is on your team, um, just make sure that you have that village around you so that you have always someone to turn to when you're in some of your darkest moments, or even when you're having moments to celebrate too. I love that. Thank you so much for your time. This was such a great, informative conversation. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for having me.